want to welcome everyone to our Wednesday night summer series called My Town. It's what we're going to be doing all summer long. Uh, we've already had some intro, had a couple of great lessons about this summer. And so tonight we are going to be talking about my town, uh, specifically who is my neighbor uh, from Luke chapter 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And uh, what we're going to be looking at tonight is how do we show compassion, the compassion uh, and the Good Samaritan. And I've got two great friends with me here uh, tonight, Susan Sweeney and Steve Barber. I'm going to be interviewing them uh, here in just a few minutes and uh, letting them tell us about their ministry and uh, who is their neighbor, how do they show uh, compassion uh, on the neighbors that, that they serve. So uh, if you have your Bible, I'd love for us to turn to Luke chapter 10. So let's turn to Luke chapter 10 and let's start reading about uh, the Good Samaritan. And uh, so Luke chapter 10, verse 30, and I'm going to be reading from the uh, New Living Translation. And there's a reason for that. There's a couple of words in here that I just really like. Uh, so if you have your Bible, let's turn to Luke chapter 10, verse 30, uh, where it says this. It says, Jesus replied with the story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by him. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he had compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he came and he put the man on his own donkey and he took him to the inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed him to the innkeeper. He handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. And if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time that I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. And I love this story. And I think if there's any story that we could pick out that shows compassion, I think this is the exact story. And there's a couple of things that I want to point out here. And, and, and first is our characters, which I, I know that we're all very familiar with. Uh, but the very first of the story starts out with a Jewish man. Now, other, other translations is not going to say or describe him as a Jewish man. But I think it's, it's reasonable to think that this might have been a Jewish man just because of the road they were on. From Jerusalem down to Jericho would have been a highly traveled road that might have been mainly uh, a Jewish men. So it's very possible uh, thinking that this could have been a Jewish man. Now, the other character that I want us to, to, uh, to focus on is, is the Samaritan. And here's why I picked this translation here is because it describes him as a despised Samaritan, which is exactly if this man was Jewish or, 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 or he would have despised the Samaritans. The Samaritans and the Jews did not like each other at all. And they have not liked each other for hundreds of years back all the way almost to Abraham. These two uh, races of people have just hated each other, have despised each other, and, and have done everything that they could 
to, to be mean to each other, to, to uh, uh, irritate the other. As a matter of fact, if we look at history, and there's lots of history between uh, these two races, that we see that, that the Samaritan people would have been described as a lower class of citizen, maybe even a, a half-breed of, of people. And if, if you watch Harry Potter, they would have been described as muggles. So these would have been the muggles. And they did not get along with, with the Jewish, Jewish people. And they were always at, at enmity between each other, uh, constant, constantly at each other. So they would not have been friends at all. And we even see in history uh, about the time of Jesus in the Maccabean history where uh, there was a band of Samaritans that went into a Jewish temple and scattered dead bones. And so you know that that would have uh, that totally would have desecrated the temple. They would have had to close it, probably shut it down, probably tear it down. So that would have been something that would have been almost like modern day uh, terrorism uh, with, with what we know, uh, maybe like a burning down a church or something. But that is relationship that the Jewish people had with the Samaritan people. And so in our story here, I think it's wonderful that we see a Samaritan and possibly a Jewish man. And so we see this despised uh, Samaritan on the road uh, from, from uh, Jerusalem down to Jericho when he sees this man who has been beaten badly, left for half dead. And the, the Samaritan looks at this man, and I love what the Scripture says. The Scripture says that he had compassion for him compassion for him. And if we look at the word compassion, the word compassion means to be sympathetic, to have pity, to have concern for the sufferings or misfortunes of others. And if you look in the dictionary, the, the definition of it will be simply sympathetic, conscious of others' distress, together with a uh, desire to alleviate it. So it's a recognition of someone else in distress with a desire to alleviate that stress, that is what compassion is. And that is exactly what this despised Samaritan did, is that he looked at this man who was in need, who was in distress, and he went over to him. And so that is our first point about uh, a showing compassion, is that if we're going to show compassion on people, and the Samaritan was going to show compassion on this man, then you know what? He had to stop what he was doing. He went over to the man. Verse 34 says that going over to him, he had to stop his travels, his busy life, his, his, wherever he was going, wherever he was coming from, he had to stop what he was doing and recognize that there was someone in need. And I think that's exactly what we need to do today. If we're going to, we're going to have compassion on people, we got to stop and see it. We got to stop and recognize uh, someone in distress. And the Samaritan in verse 34 says, going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. He had to take from his physical inventory, he had to take from what he had on him. I'm sure there was not a store where he could just go buy a first aid kit to, to help this guy. And it says that he took his own olive oil took his own wine, and he bandaged this man in need. Now, the other question I have is, 
is did he have a first aid kit with him? Did he just have a roll of gauze with him already so he could wrap these bandages up for this man? And I don't think so. So what would he use to bandage this man in need? I think he took his own clothes. I think he took his own cloak, maybe his coat, maybe something that he was wearing and he ripped it up and he bandaged the wounds of this man taking from what he already had, he sacrificed from what he already had to help this man. And then the scripture says that, that going on in the scripture, says, then he put the man on his own donkey, which means that he walked and he took him to an inn where he took care of him. And then the next day, so we've got 24 hours in it. So he took care of him all day. And then the next day he handed him to the innkeeper, two silver coins. And he told him, take care of this man. And if the bill runs higher than this, I will pay you the next time I am here. And this is the third point that I want to make about being uh, someone with compassion on our neighbor is that, you know what, he had to go the extra mile. He had to go the second mile. It wasn't just good enough for this Samaritan to look at him, to stop and to observe him, to bandage his wounds on the side. But he put him on his own donkey. He went the extra mile. He took him to the end. And then he's paid more out of his pocket to the innkeeper if he was needed. So this, this Samaritan went the extra mile. He went the second mile uh, with, with, this, with this man who is hurt. And I think that is exactly what we are called to be, how we are called to be, that if we're going to have compassion on people, this is exactly uh, how we are to be. And you know what? This is nothing different than what Jesus showed in his ministry. And there are several times when, when Jesus in his ministry had compassion on people. Jesus shows compassion many times throughout the scripture. I'd like for us to look at two. I would like for us to look at Matthew chapter nine. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter nine, verse 35, and let's read that together. If you will follow along with me as we read Matthew chapter nine, verse 35, and it says this, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, for they were harassed and helpless. You see, Jesus was here in, in, in the beginning of his ministry, and he saw people in distress. You know, he saw people in physical distress. He saw people in emotional distress who were harassed and were helpless. And guess what? He had compassion for them. That's the way Jesus was. In Matthew chapter 15, just a few chapters over from this, we're going to see another story, another of Jesus when he's at the Sea of Galilee, and he's wanting a little bit of rest, and he goes to the mountain. And in Matthew 15, Verse 29, it says this. Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee. And he went up on the mountain and sat down there. And he, uh, great crowds came to him, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And they put them at his feet and he healed them. And in verse 31, so the crowd wondered, so that when the mute was speaking, the crippled were healthy, the lame were walking, and the blind were seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. And then in verse 32, Jesus called his disciples together, and he said to them, 
I have compassion on this crowd. I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and they have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. Jesus had compassion on this crowd. He obviously had compassion with making the mute speak, with the crippled making them healthy again. He had compassion and made the lame walk again. He made the blind see again. He showed compassion on their distress, but he didn't just stop there. He went the extra mile. He did the extra thing when he brought his disciples together and he took care of every single physical need of the crowd there when he called them together. And he says, you know what? They've been with me three days and they have had nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on their way. Jesus had compassion on them and he fed them. He took com uh, complete care of their physical needs. That is exactly, if we're going to have compassion on our neighbor, that is what we are to be willing uh, to do too. Here's what Paul describes. Here's how he describes the Messiah in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those who are in trouble. You know, we are called to be compassionate. We know that Jesus came to this earth to heal the spiritually sick. We know that he came to this earth to heal the lame, the blind, the demon-possessed. We know that Jesus came to this earth to be a sacrifice for our sins. But Jesus also came to this earth to be a neighbor to everyone around him. He came to this earth to show us how to have compassion on those who we see as our neighbor, just like the Good Samaritan, just like when Jesus had compassion on those who were hungry, we need to look for our neighbor. We need to be the neighbor. We need to have compassion on all of those who are around us. And so now I would love to introduce to you our, our guest uh, for tonight, and, and I'm going to ask them to tell us a little bit about their ministry. And tonight we have Steve Barber, and he's going to be talking about Room in the Inn a little bit here. And then we have Susan Sweeney, who's going to be talking about uh, homebound meals. And so, Steve, I would like to ask you first, just tell us about Room in the Inn. Tell us a little bit about that. Thank you, Tony. Good evening, Hendersonville. And I want to thank Tony for inviting me to be a part of this. Room in the Inn is an organization that many of us know are very familiar with. We've our church has been involved with it for many years. It's an organization downtown Nashville that we go each Sunday, bring back guests, and we serve them uh, many needs. When I think of Room in the Inn, I think about the words that are recorded of Jesus in Matthew chapter 25. Toward the end of that chapter. Jesus is describing how the sheep and the goats will be separated to the left and to the right. And to the righteous, the sheep, Jesus says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was in need of clothes and you gave me something to, to wear. I was in prison and you came and visited me. I was sick and you took care of me. 
And then the, the righteous said, Lord, when do we see these things of you? Then Jesus said, truly, I tell you, whatever you did to the least one of these, my brothers and sisters, you did to me. That's what room in the end, I believe, means to me is it we serve all the needs that Jesus talked about there. But let's not stop there. The rest of the chapter is just as important. He also said to the goats, for I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not take care of me. And then the ghost said, Lord, when, when do we see these things of you? And Jesus said, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do to the least of these, you did not do for me. Those words burn in my heart to think that this is what Jesus was doing. He had compassion. And we should do the same thing. And the, the guests that we bring in the room in the end look like us pretty much. They are human. They are God's children just like we are. Where they differ from us a little bit is the way that they dress. And maybe they haven't had an opportunity to bathe for a couple of days. We have the opportunity to provide that for them and give them uh, some of the needs that they might not get otherwise. They're living on the street and uh, they go from church to church every night from November through the end of March. And it's our opportunity on Sunday nights to serve that need. There are three stories, quick stories, if I may, that I would like to, to share with you. On a Sunday night a few years ago, I drove the bus, went down and picked up our guests and brought them back. There was a young man in that group, probably half my age, maybe even a little less, less uh, even younger. He was quiet, didn't say much at dinner. The next morning I showed up, on Monday morning, I showed up to take him back to the room in the end in Nashville. And he pulls me aside. He said, weren't you our driver last night? I said, yes, I was. He said, would you pray for me? I've had, a, I've had a bad time in my life. And this is a young man. He said, I got involved in some drugs, got in a bad crowd. I had to go to jail, did my time. And now I'm out. He said, I, I can't get a break because of my uh, arrest record. He said, would you pray for me? Of course, I prayed with him. I took him to the other end of the gym. We prayed. I asked him to do the same thing every day that week that he pray. And I would do the same for him all during the week. That kind of hits home for me. Those are the types of things that we need to be doing to help people. Another story is uh, with Larry Graham. All of you know Larry. Great man. He's my hero. I look up to him. And when I see him, I see Jesus. This story is where he had been working with a young man in, in jail, at Sumner County Jail. And the young man was getting out. So... He called Larry, and Larry went and picked him up. He didn't have anything other than what he was wearing. Had no money, no car. He was uh, essentially blind. He, he couldn't work, couldn't get a job. So Larry said, uh, where can I take you? And the only family he had was a cousin. So Larry drove him to his cousin. Cousin wouldn't take him. Cousin didn't want him. Told him, you can't leave him here. So Larry took him to a motel, got him 
got him a place to stay for a couple of days until he could figure out something better. Larry reached out to me, said, is there anything that you think the room in the inn could do? So I called my contact at room in the inn, and of course, they jumped on it all over, uh, with both feet and accepted the man. Larry took him to room in the inn, room in the inn, put him up, put him in the program, worked with him. Well, the story doesn't end there with Larry. Larry knew he needed some uh, surgery on his eyes, and he knew of a surgeon that he reached out to and got the man some help. And, and to my knowledge, the man sees fairly well today. He lays his eyesight well enough that he can get a job. I believe that young man is doing well. I'm sure Larry has followed up with him, but that's just an example of someone like Larry, that when I see Larry, I see Jesus. I see Jesus's heart. And Larry, that's just one story. Larry does many of those things. Third story I have involves me, something I regret. Melanie and I were on vacation in uh, Philadelphia one year uh, during the 4th of July. We had stayed at the residence inn. Of course, those that had been at a residence inn knew that there's a little kitchenette. So we had gone to the local market to get some food for breakfast and maybe dinner that night. And while we were standing in line, there was a young man in front of us, and he had several cans of infant milk. And he had bought some things like chips and a few other things. It wasn't anything that was extraordinary. There was no alcohol, no tobacco. And he had a check that had been given to him by somebody else where the clerk could not take that check. The man didn't have the money. I'm standing in the line. I'm watching all that. I'll let that man walk away without helping him out with that, at least the baby formula. I tried to track him down. He was already gone. I regret that. That's an opportunity God gave me, and I missed it. I'm continually looking for ways to do the things that God wants me to do. So those are just three short stories that, that I wanted to share with you all that shows compassion or the lack of compassion in my case. Thank you, Tony. Well, that, that is fantastic. That is perfect, Steve. I think that's exactly lessons that we can all learn is you know what our neighbors are all around us all the time and we need to be on the lookout we need to be ready at all times and, and sometimes you know you're, you're just uh you recognize it when it's too late and uh you know you should have done it and i can't tell you how many times i have done that as well steve i mean our neighbors are just all around us thank you for sharing that i think uh what we do for room in the end the compassion that we, we show for them is just truly Truly uh, amazing. Uh, so Susan, so now we're coming to you. And uh, so I, you work with Homebound Meals. And I also just want to give a big shout out right now to Sharon Triplett. She works with you and she does a route and you do a route. And Sharon, if you're watching this, thank you for all of your help with this as well. But Susan, I'd like you just to tell us a little bit about Homebound Meals. Well, Homebound Meals is essentially the Meals on Wheels program for the Hendersonville and, and a few of the surrounding neighborhoods. Uh, we deliver meals uh, five days a week normally to about 125 people, and we are 501c3. But you know, it's not just meals that we deliver. We deliver friendship and relationships and like Sharon and I have delivered on the same route for almost 10 years now those people have become our friends and they look just like 
in a lot of ways, you and me, except they are under different circumstances. Like Steve said, you know, they had a, a, a home and they had a job, but then somebody died or they got old and now they can no longer fix their meals or they live with family, but the family has to work. So they're alone during the day, or maybe they don't have anybody at all. So the people who bring the meals to their house may be the only person they see that day, maybe the only person they have any contact with, and they become family. <clears throat> we have some terrific volunteers, and they go the other step. They don't just take the meal. They don't just talk to them. They may go back and take them to the doctor if they need to go. They may go and take their, their pet, who is their family, to the vet, the vet for them because they're concerned about their pet. They may go pick up family for them from the airport. They may take them riding on their route so that they can get them out of their house. Um, they, they, we have some wonderful volunteers and, and Homebound Meals is volunteer. We get our money through donations, through grants, through uh, people like you, people from our church who donate their time and help with our fundraisers. That's the way we get our money. We are not federally funded like the uh, most of the Meals on Wheels programs. And we do serve uh, the Middle Tennessee Hendersonville area, but we're about the third largest in the Middle Tennessee area. Tell us about some of the, the nightly, uh, once a month, I think it is, where you, you do uh, a, a certain restaurant will give you a certain proceeds of the, the meals that night. Is that correct? That, that's true. We have Spirit Night. And uh, several years back, we started reaching out to restaurants, and they would donate 10%, usually 10 to 15% of what they bring in that night to the Homebound Meals Program. Well, we haven't been able to do that, but twice this year. We did it in January and February, and that usually brings in three, four hundred, sometimes five hundred dollars for that month. So we haven't been able to do it because of COVID nineteen, um, and and that has hurt and uh, the money that we're bringing in. But I want to tell you that the community of Hendersonville, we put it on Facebook that we weren't able to do this. That first month, someone donated $350 to the program. Uh, all you have to do sometimes is ask and make known the need. But the thing with COVID-19 that I, I want to mention too is we had to stop delivering meals in the end of March. So not only were we not delivering meals, and, and I mean on a daily basis. Not only were we not delivering meals, we weren't delivering hugs, we weren't delivering smiles, we weren't delivering how are you today, do you need anything? We, we had to go to one time a week for the people, there's seven different routes. And so each route was getting one delivery a week and it was a frozen meal. We again reached out to the community and said these people are like, they're the high risk people. They can't get out and go to the grocery. They can't get out and, and go get their prescriptions. They can't get out and do these things. We need help. We had 
people make donations of toilet paper, things that they had trouble finding, hand wipes, hand sanitizer, soap. They brought it to the uh, homebound meals office and on, we would make calls during the week and ask people, do you have everything you need? What do you need? And we would take it to them. That supply has saved stock the whole time. We're just now beginning to run a little low and because we started delivering uh, meals again on Monday, we're only delivering three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, but on Monday, they'll take something for Tuesday if the client needs it. But some of them do have leftover frozen meals from when uh, we were delivering frozen. Frozen aren't quite as good and they don't come with a smile. Uh, but, uh, the people of Hendersonville are just, and the surrounding counties are just fantastic. Mm -hmm. One other point I want to mention, and we were talking about the Good Samaritan, is, you know, he may have had a family at home. We don't know his circumstances, and sometimes we don't know the circumstances of the people we deliver to. Mm -hmm. They may have family, but they may be estranged from that family. They may have family who is suffering because of COVID-19 has lost their jobs and they can't get to them to help them. We don't know. Our neighbors are, are the people around us. It's the person at the grocery store that, that helps you with your groceries. It's the person that cuts your hair. Well, you haven't been to get your hair cut for, I don't know when. So what if you go back and that person's no longer there? Do you look? Do you ask? Do you just assume that your neighbor who isn't cutting his grass isn't doing it because he's lazy? Do you ask why he's not cutting his grass? So I guess what I'm saying is we serve 125 people and that's pretty much all we can support financially and with our volunteers. But there's a lot out there in our community that have needs. That is very well said, Susan. I think that is absolutely perfect. Look around and see who your neighbor is. That is absolutely right. So I'd like to close this out with uh, just a couple of scriptures on on uh, who we're called to be. Uh, you know, we are uh, uh, called to be exactly these people, and and if you. Uh, look at Colossians chapter 3. It says that, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, close your, clothe yourselves with this. It says, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That is exactly who we are to be. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. That is exactly who we are We are to be. And, and Susan and Steve, I am so glad that you joined us here tonight. What a fantastic ministry you guys have. And, and for, the, for the church here, for all of us here, here's my challenge for us this week, is that we will look for someone beaten up, maybe a stranger, maybe someone we know, maybe a waitress at a restaurant, maybe the grocery store could even be our physical neighbor. And maybe we'll take time to have compassion on them. It might be physical, it might be emotional, it might just being a friend to them, maybe it's just a smile, but won't we take time to have compassion on someone? And maybe this week you can go the second mile for someone, do the extra for someone, and that is having compassion as well. 
and our, our time here is done. And I want to thank you guys. Thank you for watching us tonight and thank you for watching our summer series. I'd love to end this in prayer. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, thank you for the wonderful days that you bless us with, for the opportunities that are all around us. The opportunities have compassion on people. And I bless uh, Steve, bless Susan with their ministries, but not just that, for all of us who have ministries every single day of our lives. Help us to see the opportunities. Help us to act on those opportunities. Help us to do the extra that we can do. And Lord, may we do it in your name and may you give us strength and may we glorify you in everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you.